So, man, this year flew by, didn't it? Wow. Here we are, another year older and far more handsome and pretty than we were last year. At least for some of us, right? Amen? Others, maybe not so, not so much. So, uh, I'm just kidding you. Smile on me. So, reset. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. And the reason I don't believe in New, Re- New Year's resolutions is that I don't believe that they work. In fact, there's a lot of evidence that shows that they don't. For example, at my gym that I go to, uh, G- the first week of January, I cannot find a parking space. I mean, I got to circle the place around and everybody's there and they're all excited about working out. And, and then come February 1st, I can park wherever I want. Because people have gotten over their New Year's resolution and now they're moving on to something new. And so I just want to say New Year's resolutions don't work. And here's why they don't work is that they are outward things as opposed to inward things. I believe that what does work is something that, that I believe the change happens when it comes from the inside and then moves to the outside. So I want to give you some really, really simple, uh, practical things that you can do to reset your life in a way that next year at this time, you'll see a difference in your life if you practice them. So like anything else, I think that sometimes when things are not going exactly the way they're supposed to, and I know that that's probably true in most of our lives here today, is that there's some things that you're going, man, I wish that was different. And I I just wanna say to you, honestly, uh, when I'm having computer problems or phone problems, oftentimes what I have to do is I have to reboot it, right? And so that's what we're gonna talk about today is we're gonna talk about this concept of rebooting our lives in such a way that something in the inner workings of our life change and then outwardly outwardly it manifests itself in a very unique and powerful way. So that's the subject today. I hope that you lean in to what we're gonna say today. And uh, I believe that this is going to be helpful and practical, and uh, hopefully we'll have some fun together on this New Year's Eve day. And uh, so let's start with a verse of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You see that? A new person. The old life is gone. I don't make changes to the old life, right? Do you understand that? It doesn't work. Uh, that's gone. A new life has begun. So what I've got to do is I've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in my life in, in a way that change comes from the inside outward. So how many of you today are ready for something new in 2024? Anybody here like that? Amen? Okay. So if that's the case, let's just, let's just see what God can do in our lives as we practice some things that I think are going to be very helpful. So the premise of this message is change comes from the inside and moves outwardly. That's what we're gonna talk about. So that's how the gospel works, by the way. It's not just doing something different. It's not just improving the old you. The old you needs to die. In fact, has died. And now what you have to do is live out the new life that God has given to you. So the big question is, what facilitates change in our life? What helps us make the kind of changes that we want in our life. And almost everybody wants, raised your hand just a minute ago and said, I think I need something new in 2024. 
what is it that will change my life in such a way that I can see a difference in my life? That's the subject matter today. And so I hope that you take notes. I hope that uh, you uh, pay very close attention to what, what I'm gonna say to you today because I believe that it will be helpful. It's helped me. These are things that come out of my own life. And these aren't things that are just I read in a textbook. These are things that I have practiced along the way and I've seen change inside of me. If you could have seen me 50 years ago and you look at me today, you would say, not only are you old, but you're different. <laughs> and that is a, that's a good thing. So I wanna suggest there are four things, and there could be many more than this. I'm gonna suggest four things that if you'll look up today and you'll start practicing today, I believe that they will change your life in this next coming year. The first one that I wanna suggest to you is the concept of worship. So let's just think about that for just a few minutes. Jesus said this in John chapter four. He said, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father, this is what I want you to see. The Father is looking for those who worship him in that way. God walks, walks up and down the earth and he's looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, I believe that you can, that you can divide the world into two groups, worshipers and non-worshipers. So God is looking for people. God is walking up and down the aisles of this church, the, the pews of this church, the chairs in this church, and he is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what he's looking for. And I believe that when he finds it, he marvels at it and he responds to it. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So just briefly, the idea of spirit and truth is the idea, I believe, of authenticity and truth. I believe it's the idea of authentic worship. God is looking for not phony worship. He's looking for genuine worship that really has a powerful impact on our insides. There's something that happens in worship that happens nowhere else. There's change that God makes inside of your life when you worship him that he makes no other place. And I'm just gonna say, worship isn't just about coming to church and singing some songs. Worship is far different than that, actually. In fact, the Bible describes in Romans chapter 12 the idea of this worship where it says I, that we're to present our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable act of worship. Worship begins when I give myself wholly to God, authentically to him. That's where worship begins. So worship may or may not have happened in your life this morning. Smile at me when I say that. Because if you did not give yourself authentically, your whole self authentically to God in such a way that is pleasing to him, then worship did not happen. And I wanna you know, just say worship happens in a lot of different ways and there's no right way or wrong way to worship God uh, from the standpoint of form. But I, I just wanna say to you honestly that I have a practice in my life that I think would be helpful to you. So I'm gonna just 
describe it to you. I, I've talked a little bit about it before, but, I, but you know, we have lots of people new and you know, lots of people come in and out of grace. And so you might have missed me saying this, but I wanna suggest to you that this is how I do it. I'm not saying you have to do it, but every day of my life for the last three to five years, I have gotten down on my knees, on, actually on all fours, I put my face in the ground. I don't ask God any questions. I don't ask him to do anything for me. I just simply acknowledge that he is holy. And I say to him, God, you are God and you are holy and I am not. And the bottom line is that I worship you. I worship you and give myself to you in adoration and reverent fear and love. I give you myself. I do that on a regular basis every day and I do it on the good days and my bad days. I, de- I did it on the day my son died this last year. And I did it on my best day of this last year. And it is a practice that I believe is honoring to God. And I'm not su- suggesting that you have to do it my way. I'm suggesting you need to figure out how you authentically give yourself to God in a way that pleases him because the Father is waiting on you to do so. He's waiting for you to worship him. And change happens in worship in a way that I can't explain it to you, but the reality is, is it doesn't happen just like it happens in worship. I mean, worship is the catalyst that brings about change. And it's not something you practice once and say that didn't work. It's the discipline every day of learning what it means to authentically give yourself to God and allow his spirit to lead you in honoring his name. That is what I believe worship is all about. And A.W. Tozer says this, worship is man's full reason for existence. The reason that you are on planet earth today, I agree with A.W. Tozer, he's an old dead guy, I agree with him. But the reason that you exist today is for the purposes of worshiping God. It's not your job, it's not your money, it's not any of those things. It's not your entertainment. The reason that you exist on this planet is to worship him exclusively, solely, not with many other things that you worship him alone. And then he says, A.W. Tozer says, worship is why we are born and why we are born again. That's the very reason we exist. There has never been and never will be anybody like you, but the reality is, is there's never gonna be anybody that worships you or worships God like you worship God. Not worship you, by the way, and stated that. There's gonna be nobody like you that can worship God in the way that you can worship God. It's a testament to the God that created you. Absolutely unique. There's nobody like you. And your voice is a voice that God is longing to hear every day and authentically giving yourself over to him. This is why your worship matters. And I wanna ask you a question. Have you thought about that? Your worship matters to God. Your voice matters to God. It's not just blended into millions and millions of other people. It is unique. It's uniquely yours. And God is delighted when he hears your voice speaking worship to him. Mark Batterson says, All of creation is singing a unique song to the creator and you are part of that universal chorus, but no one can worship God like you because no one's been created just like you. 
You have this thumbprint that God has given to you and you have a spiritual print that God has given to you. And God has given you this unique voice print that allows you to worship him in such a great way. And when you do that, he hears your voice. He knows you by name and he delights in your worship. And when that happens, on a habitual basis, there's something that transforms inside of your life. I promise you, there's something that happens inside of you that can happen no other place. The Heavenly Father loves your voice. Did you know that? The Heavenly Father delights when he hears your voice. And here's a thought. What if you were, were as obsessed with worship as you are with your cell phone? Or what if you were obsessed with worship as you are your sports teams? Ooh, I mean, I just hit a <laughs> sore spot here. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but Shane is wearing an, an Oregon Ducks hat this morning. So as you're walking out the door, I just want you to point at it, you know. He'll be out of the foyer this morning. Just point at his Oregon stuck hat. You know, just do that, you know, for me. It'll be <laughs> our secret, uh, you, you know. So I'll tell him later, but, you know, you'll know, what, you'll know what I mean. What if you and I were as obsessed with worship as we are with everything else in life that brings us entertainment and joy? That's where worship begins, when we become obsessed with voicing our opinion of God to him, of how great he is, and uh, it is just such a beautiful thing. The second thing I would say, we're talking about things that transform us from the inside out, and we try a lot of different things, and I got in a little trouble the first service because I said this, but I'm gonna say it again. Uh, I'm gonna tell you that you know, there's a billion dollar industry out there called self-help books. And the reason they're ineffective is because they're working on the outside, not the inside. The vast majority of them. Maybe there's some that aren't, but the vast majority of them don't work because change happens from the inside out, not uh, the other way around. First thing is worship. I learned to authentically worship God. Second thing that is life changing from the inside out is the idea of daily feeding. So let me talk to, you about, talk to you about that. You can't grow and live. You can't exist without nutrition, right? You know, you'd stop eating for 60 days and you're gonna die. I mean, you just can't live without nutrition. And so we need to learn the idea of where does spiritual nutrition come from and how does it change our life? And so I wanna say to you that we live in an age where... The people of God don't know the word of God and certainly don't make application of God into their life. So let me give you a couple examples of that. So there's this old guy, he's not dead yet, he's an old guy, Jay Leno, probably heard of him. And uh, he uh, does man on the street interviews and several years ago he did a man on the street interview about the Bible. He asked people questions about the Bible and uh, one night he came to these two uh, young girls and Ask them the question, can you name one of the Ten Commandments on the street? Can you name one of the Ten Commandments? And one of them said, freedom of speech. 
That's one. Leno asked the other girl who was standing there, complete this sentence, let he who was without, without sin, and her response was, have a good time. <laughs> Leno then turned to a young man and asked, who according to the Bible was eaten by a whale? And the confident answer was Pinocchio. <laughs> so I say all those things to say, we don't understand the nature of how important the word of God is. And Hosea says, my people are destroyed because they don't know my word. So it's important for us to ingest into our lives the right sustenance so that you and I can learn and grow as believers. So I'm gonna you know, just encourage you that the word of God is such an important part of your life, more important than you realize. Why then do we not, why do we then not read it daily and why is it that we have a hard time, hard time relating to it? First of all, we don't realize how much we need to be led. That's the first thing. Second thing is, we, don't, we are intimidated by the Bible. Anybody here intimidated by the Bible? You know, come on now. It's a pretty complex book, right? And so we get intimidated. But this is how I approach the Bible. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm, you know, simple, but here's the reality. I approach the Bible when I come to something that I don't understand or don't know or can't figure out. I just simply say, God, I can't figure this out. And so I'm just gonna go past this and I'm gonna keep reading and I'm gonna, Lord, whatever, any, at any point you wanna reveal to me what this means, then feel free to do that. And you know, inevitably what happens is, is that somewhere in the future, God just opens my eyes and shows me what that particular passage means. And so I don't, get, I don't stop there just because it's, it's, it's bigger than me. I just keep reading. I'm not intimidated by just keep reading. I just keep reading and, and eventually God reveals. Third thing, the third reason we don't uh, spend time in the word of God is we, don't, we think we don't have time to be in the scripture. And that's really interesting because America spends on social media and TV in a year just gobs of hours, 608 hours on social media alone every year. Cell phones, you know, TikTok, whatever you wanna, whatever, Whatever floats your boat, you know, bottom line is, is that 608 of our hours on the average, some more, some less, are spent on social media. That's a lot, right? But what if we just cut that in half and just said, I'm gonna give 300 hours to the Bible? That'd be pretty amazing, right? So when we say we don't have time, what we're really doing is deceiving ourselves in believing a lie about the truth. We do have the time. We don't want to make the time because there's something else that gives us more pleasure, at least we think. Now, it gets deeper than that. Every year, people watch 1,642 hours of TV. Wow. And how much did you learn from that last year? 2,250 hours were spent, 1,642 of hours were spent on TV, a combined 2,250 hours a year is spent either on social media or on TV. I'm just simply saying you need to learn how to ingest what is right in your life so that you can have the right output. You want to change your life? You change from the inside out. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and has the power to change you from the inside out. But here's the thing. 
I just want to, you know, just be bold enough to address a couple of things. You know, a lot of people, you know, come to church with the mentality that says, feed me. And then they'll go from church to church looking for the right church that's going to feed them. And I would just simply say, that's great for a, for a six-month-old. But at some point, you have to learn how to feed yourself. And feeding yourself means that you take the responsibility in your own life to, to ingest the Word of God. But even more than that, let me tell you what the meat of the Word of God is. Let me just tell you what the meat of the Word of God is. The Word of God, the meat of the Word of God is not more information. You don't need more information in the Word of God. You don't. Because this is my guess, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm just, you know, I'm just a farmer from Fallon, so maybe I'm wrong about this. But I'm guessing that most of us here today are watching online no more of the Bible than we're actually practicing. Is that true? In your life, do you know more than you're actually practicing? Anybody like that besides me? I'm going to tell the truth here today. <laughs> Amen? The meat of the Word of God is not in the information, it's in the application. That's where the meat of the Word of God is. It's not how much I know. That just produces pride. It's what I'm doing with what I know and applying it to my life. That's what brings change from the inside to the out. So first step is I become a worshiper. I'm devoted to worship. Second phase is that I become devoted to the under, my understanding and application of the Word of God. Make sense? Third thing. Are we having fun yet? Third thing, good. The third thing that changes lives, changes my life, is the use of your spiritual gift that God has given to you. So in 1 Peter chapter four, well, let me get to that in just a minute. In the scripture, what we learn is that the moment you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit seals you until the day of your redemption. You have God inside of you. But did you also know that to every believer, God imparts at least one supernatural gift that you possess? So let me show you that from 1 Peter. This is what it says. But God has given... Uh, but God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Everyone, you see that? Every single stinking one of us that know Jesus has a spiritual gift, a spiritual empowerment. Use them well to serve one another. The purpose is to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter chapter four. So you have one of two different kinds of gifts. You either have a speaking gift or you have a serving gift and you have, it's your responsibility to discover what you have and then employ, employ it. And then when you do that, change comes from the inside. You begin to change as you use your gift to other people. I'm just telling you, it's true. So let me just talk to you a little bit about the gifts that you have. When, you know, so like, I think I have the gift of speaking. I don't know. We're still, you know, there's some of you that are still measuring that and figuring out whether I do or I don't. So it's still up in the air, but you know, I think I might have it. So, so let's go with that. So the first time that I ever got up to speak I'm just gonna tell you, I can remember it as if it were yesterday. It was a Wednesday night Bible study. Pastor had to be gone. They said, you're up. And I'd been saved about a, about a, um, about a year. And so I got up and 
I prepared something and, and I went home to my wife. My wife will tell you this is the absolute truth. I went home and I said, that was horrible. That stunk. I will never, ever do that again. And here I am years later and I'm still, and every time I preach, I go home and I tell my wife, I will never, <laughs> ever do that again. I'm just, I'm just saying. My point to you is simply this. <laughs> this is, it's simply this. Listen to me. Gifts are given in infant form and they need to be developed. So you are a steward over your gift. So you start by saying, God, show me what my gift is. And by the way, you don't find your gifts in any, you know, any book or any, any test you take. You, you find your gift by trying some stuff and listening to what others say about what you do. That's how you find your gift. And I'm just telling you, when you practice your gift, it will be life-changing and it will be powerful and you'll change from the inside out. And there's nothing more fulfilling when you put your head down in your pillow at night. You'll, there's nothing more fulfilling than knowing that the living God used you in your giftedness to help someone move closer to Jesus. There is nothing more satisfying than that. It's even better than a Niner win. I'm just saying I'm just saying, it is, even better than a Niner win. And uh, I, hope some, I hope you experience that. It, it's very powerful. And when you don't uh, use your gifts, there is a void inside of your life. There is, there's a void in the church. When you don't use your gifts, there's a void. In, you know, Christianity is about you just showing up at church and sitting in a pew. That's not what it's about. It's about you using the giftedness that God has given you in such a glorious way. So I want to tell you a story to drive that home. So there are two guys working for the, uh, a city public works department. And one guy would dig, the, dig a hole and the other guy would come back and fill the hole. So they did this one day. They spent the whole day digging a hole and then the guy would come back and fill the hole. And so somebody noticed this, saying, you know, why, why are you digging a hole and then coming back and filling the hole? And the answer they gave was, well, Fred, the third guy that works with us is sick today. His job is to plant the tree. <laughs> he wasn't here today, so we just did our job, dug the hole, you know, and I'm just simply saying, when you, when you don't use your giftedness, when you don't use your giftedness, it creates that much frustration in the body of Christ. And you're robbing yourself of the opportunity to change from the inside to the outside. Something happens supernaturally when you use your gifts. Last thing, I know that you're waiting for me to say that. <laughs> Connect regularly. Connect regularly. That is a game changer. So connect to God and to others on a regular basis. Let me show you this from the Bible. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. That'll take some time. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each. That was a joke. <laughs> Come on now, it's New Year's Eve. Let's have fun together. Confess your sins to each other and pray for uh, each other so that you may be healed. The, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So it is interesting that this verse connects two essential things in the Christian life. One is our need for each other. You realize that? We have a need for each other and prayer. Our need for each other and prayer. 
Prayer can do anything that God can do, uh, but God primarily does it in community. So the person who led me to Christ in the Ice Age is still alive today. It's a miracle. The person who led me to Christ prays for me every day, every morning. He gets up and one of the first things he does is that he prays for me every stinking day. And it's made a difference in my life. Now, let me ask you this. Would you be willing to choose one person? I'm not talking about a thousand, just talking about one person. A person that if this person would really come alive for God, would make a significant difference in their world, in their community, in their life, in their job, wherever. Just pray for that person every, every day. Choose one, uh, and you don't need to do two, three, four, five, just one, and for the rest of your life, would you pray for that person Every day, I'm not asking you to figure out who that is right this second. Maybe God has already revealed who that could be. But if you were to pray for that person every day, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. And you know what happens? Is that when I practice the idea of connecting with God and connecting with others and live in obedience in that area of my life, something happens on the inside of my life that transforms me, makes my life different. It makes my life different. So prayer can do anything that God can do. Do you believe that? And if you began to pray for someone who maybe they're not even saved yet, maybe they don't even know Jesus yet, or maybe they do, but they just haven't you know, come, come alive yet, you pray for them every day and you just watch what happens powerful thing. So here's how we want to end our services together. I want you to all stand with me. You said to me earlier in the sermon, you said to me that you want something new in 2024. Is that still true? So if that's the case, I'm going to ask you to make four life-changing choices with me. I'm doing it too. Four life-changing choices. Remember, God changes you from the inside out. These disciplines create different, a different lifestyle for you. They create something new, something powerful. And I promise you, money back guarantee, I promise you, I promise you that if you practice these four things, that next year at this time, you'll look back and you'll say, I and others can see a difference in my life. New Year's resolutions don't work. They don't. But a reset does. From the inside out. So here are the four things that we're going to commit to. First one is, I will commit to worship God every day. I will commit to worship every day. It's on the screen. I will commit to worship every day authentically, would you pray that? Would you say that out loud with me? From your heart, from your heart, authentically, would you 
decide today to worship him every day, whatever that looks like for you. For me, it's getting down and putting my face in the earth and saying, I worship you, God. So let's say this one together. I will commit to worship every day. Say it again. I will commit to worship every day. Now, I want you to know something. Remember what I said, that God hears your voice? God heard you. God heard what you just said. He just heard you. I will worship him every day. And here's what the Father is looking for. He's looking up and down every one of these aisles today, and he's looking for someone who every day will fall on their face before God and worship him authentically. And my promise to you is it will be life-changing for you if you do it. Second thing I will commit to is I'll commit to stepping up my Bible study and reading, my, my Bible reading and study. Application of the word of God. So if you're ready for that, here, here we go. I will commit to stepping up my Bible reading and study. I will commit to that. Third thing. I will commit to finding ways to serve. I'll commit to finding ways to serve. I'll stop being a consumer and I'll start being a giver. I'll find ways to serve. Let's say it together. I'll commit to finding ways to serve. Beautiful. God heard your voice. God heard you. Lastly, I will commit to connecting to God and to others. I'm gonna find one person and I'm gonna pray for them every day. Bring them before the throne every day. And I'm gonna ask God some bold things for that person every day. I will commit to connecting to God and to others. Now, I promise you again, I promise you again, listen to me carefully. 2024, I don't know what it's gonna be like. 2023 for me sucked. Just say, I'm just telling you what it was like for me. I don't know what it was like for you. I'm looking for God in 2024 to do amazing things as he resets my heart. And as I change from the inside out. And no matter what happens in your life in 2024, if your life is changing from the inside out, God's smile will be upon you. He will smile upon you every day as you learn the disciplines and the character of what I've just explained to you. Make sense? Now, there are many other things we could talk about, but I want to suggest to you that those four things I've discovered in my own life are life-changing. Let's pray together today. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone here in my prayers of God that this would be, this next year would be a year that you transform our lives in such a way that everybody would see it and recognize it and glory be to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and powerful and wonderful name, amen.